G'day and welcome to The Grass is Greener. My name is Tim Henry. I'm a financial advisor in Melbourne. And every week, my guests and I dissect your everyday challenges. We'll get you clearer on your goals and give you financial tips to make it happen. Welcome back. It's great to be back in the chair. We'll miss not chatting to Jen every week, but we're kicking off this week a number of episodes centred on the cost of living. And the reason I wanted to do this, it's been such a huge topic in 2022, and we know that people are feeling those pressures. The war in Ukraine, the fallout from COVID, a whole lot of world factors are feeding into um, this situation and driving it along. So we thought, well, wouldn't it be great if we could, one, understand why it's happening and try and tackle the areas where it's going to most impact. So today we're going to kick that off with talking about mortgages and we are we have an awesome guest by the name of Brett Malavi. He is a mortgage broker, runs his own business called Fintcap and Brett has done a lot of work with our clients and he's a straight shooter. He takes the time to explain the ins and outs of, of mortgages and he does that with his clients. I've seen that firsthand. I've experienced it firsthand. And I really enjoyed the chat with him. And I know that you will too. I, I wanted him to uh, not only explain what a mortgage broker does briefly at the start, but also then what value he adds to his client's situation. We chatted about the looming threat of interest rate hikes. And, and Brett had some really good thoughts around Yes, that's important, but there's other aspects that you could look at as well. He talked about uh, fixed versus variable, really great information in there, and I, I really encourage you to listen on for that because um, he had some great pros and cons on both. And Brett gave four key things that any person can do with their mortgage right now to help them uh, possibly renegotiate a better deal with their bank or, or to assess their mortgage before they make that call. So enjoy the chat with Brett. I know you will, and I'll see you on the other side. If this is your first time tuning in to The Grass is Greener, make sure you subscribe to the show on your platform of choice so you'll automatically receive each episode as soon as it's released. We are continuing our cost of living series, and today I'm really happy to have well a, a mortgage broker that we've done quite a bit of work with in the last year or two and um, he's smashing it out of the park for our clients. Brett Malavi from Fintcap. How are you, Brett? Good, Tim. Thanks for having me. I've, uh, I've been looking forward to coming on and uh, glad I finally got a chance. <laughs> well, that's really good, mate. I'm, I'm wrapped to have you on too because you not only are you passionate about what you do, um, that comes through in all the dealings we have with you. Um, you got to a great knowledge but you've also got a really great way that you communicate that and I just think you'll be able to really help our listeners um, just focus their attention on, on on their mortgage. We know that mortgages are probably the biggest cost um, for a lot of families and so it was really important that we uh, with the rising interest rate environment and all that sort of thing we wanted to talk mortgages. Um, before we jump into that and hear about that, I'd, I'd love to you just to tell our listeners a bit about yourself, both personally and professionally. Appreciate it. Well, look, I guess if I was to 
to summarize what I try to do, okay, in my own business, FitCap, is um, I, I sort of position myself as a bit of a, a one-man crusade against the existing mortgage industry. And the reason I say that is I fundamentally think that there are a couple of broken parts of it. The first is that it's so confusing for new home buyers, even people yeah. that have an existing mortgage, to understand exactly, hey, am I on a good deal or am I not on a good deal? Yeah. And I find that just breaking down some of the basics, some of the jargon, they can understand a little bit more about you know where they sit in the grand scheme of things. Um, the second is I think that um, it's really hard to get an understanding of what is an a what is an affordable level of debt to take on, um, and you know, it's it's really easy for banks and lenders to say, "Yep, this is the maximum borrowing amount," but you're the one that's ultimately left to repay this thing. Okay, so yeah. before you take on any level of debt, it's really important you understand, you know, what is the impact this is going to have on my life. So I've tried to build a business around solving those two problems. My background was I had a, a ten year sentence at one of the major banks. And uh, got out of there and then went and worked for another major bank. And um, what I quickly found out was that they're very, very similar. They're just different colors. Um, and then around about four years ago, I went and uh, joined a, a mortgage broking um, uh, business, which had a, a financial planning tilt on it. Yep. And that's probably where I really started to cut my teeth on, you know, um, having a bit more of a holistic approach around um uh, borrowing money and and what's the actual consequences on on you as a consumer? Yes, where, uh, it's, fitting, around, fit, where it's fitting into the big picture, I guess, as well. Absolutely, like working on that, yeah, financial planning side. Absolutely, and and there are so many facets to you know when you take on debt, you know what are the what are the real world consequences on you, and I, and I think that's that's a that's a really important slant to have as well. Yeah, and sure. then around about twelve months ago, like six months ago, I, I went and started my own business, which is which is FinCap, um, and we've been going strong ever since. Yeah, well, I can fully attest to the service you deliver, mate. It is absolutely fantastic. Um, you've given a bit of a, a brief there on on your your motivation, um, and I have to say, I am always really surprised. And clients say themselves they're surprised at what banks are prepared to lend them. They they always say, I can't believe they'll lend me that much. Um, but I I would just love you to spend a couple of minutes if you could just. Talk us through what you do as a mortgage broker you know, day to day and what value you're really delivering to your clients. Okay. So um, what a mortgage broker is essentially uh, supposed to do is um, understand your financial situation, okay, um, and then uh, walk you through a range of options in terms, in terms of finance, you know, looking at banks A, B, C, D, um, and then providing a recommendation uh, that's in your best interest. Okay, yep. and to do that, they they verify a couple of things. They verify your income, your expenses, your current assets and liabilities, and then they'll try to find um, a loan or a mortgage that's going to fit within your lifestyle. Okay, now how that's different to you know going directly to a bank is a mortgage broker is going to look at a range of different options. They're yes, looking at that's right. you know, your, your major banks, what they call second tier lenders, which are normally your online banks, and then even into your um, what we call third tier lenders which is things like um, credit impaired lenders, you know, if I've had a previous bankruptcy or something along those yep. lines, or maybe it's it's a, it's a what we call like a neo bank or an, a, um, like an emerging bank, um, which are um, things like um, Ubank and um, 86400, which are just purely an online option. Um, 
The second thing um, mortgage brokers uh, are supposed to do is they then help you ongoing as well. Okay, so it's not just a set and forget, mm. you know, good luck with the mortgage, we'll see you later. Um, you know, certainly what we do um, within my own business is, is, you know, we're catching up periodically, we're, we're, we're looking at your mortgage, is there anything else we can do to sort of improve this thing? Can we help you negotiate interest rate down further? Um, and, you know, what are the adjustments we need to make ongoing to keep you on track? And um, that's a really big part. I mean, not discounting the first part where you've, you're shopping around for the best deal, but um, I know from working with banks, uh, you might have a great experience and find someone really good in the branch that helped you out. It's nearly a money back guarantee. They are, not, if they're any good, they will not still be at that branch next time you go back. Yeah, and I'm finding that's that's becoming more and more a deciding factor for the yeah. for why people want to deal with brokers. Want to have a relationship, a little bit of continuity. Yeah, yeah. and look, I, I can attest to that. I worked at a bank and. I think the longest I was in any role was probably just over 12 months. And, um, you know, that's just the, the, the way the, the, the industry is built at the moment. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to think of it in really plain terms is mortgages set over 30 years. Like, hell, my, my life's very different six months ago than it is today. Yeah. My priorities are different. Um, and, and I find a lot of my clients are the same, whether they're you know, merging their finances, they're, they're doing a renovation, they're starting a family, they're sending their kids to school, they're starting to plan for retirement. Um, you know, their world is changing all the time. So to set and forget a mortgage for 30 years, you just, you can't do it. No, I don't think you can no. even set and forget it for more than six months now. It, it takes yeah. constant adjustment, constant reviews to keep it on track. Um, I, I was interested when you were saying about those tiers of lending because, you know, I'm guessing, say, the first tier of lending, which is a bank probably, um yeah, yeah, the employee who just who brings home a very regular pay packet and all that sort of thing and has a pretty good credit history that probably fits that bill really nicely. But as we know, um, so many people have small businesses and different aspects going on in their life, which no, probably no fault of the bank. It's probably some of the regulations have been put on them that just don't fit into their the slot of the way they calculate or the, the way they want to do, do the loans. Exactly right. A lot of those, and look, it's the probably the, the major banks that we're all familiar with. They're a real production line, okay, yeah. and and um, they've got a set criteria that they love dealing with. Yeah. And if you fit within that criteria, no problems. Beautiful. Like they'll, they'll they'll churn them out. Um, but if there's any level of complexity, a lot of the time as a consumer, you've got to find someone who takes a little bit more of a pragmatic approach to yeah. to uh, risk analysis, okay. And um, I'm finding. A lot of people are moving away from the typical PAYG, you know, nine to five hours, and a lot of their incomes change. A lot of their personal situations a little bit different, and they are starting really to move towards a lender mm-hmm. that, that 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 needs to have a little bit more of a um, individual assessment approach. If that makes sense, is it a bit a bit more of a modern approach, <laughs> like actually viewing the world as it as it's evolving, as opposed to. I, I... And I, and I, I, I don't say so. that in a dismissive way to the banks because they, they're big beasts and, uh, yeah, it's not easy for them to be nimble. But, um, yeah, that's it the is, opportunity but, for other businesses, isn't it? It is. But I'd also say that the way consumers want to interact with banks is very different than what it was five or ten years ago. Like, yeah. rarely do people go into branches anymore. Okay. Um, unless you've got a, a complaint that just can't get resolved, there's probably no reason to go into a bank and, yeah, it's true. and still using checks or something. So. 
the the expectation that consumers have on their relationship with the bank is very different. They want to have a really good online experience. They want to have a really good application, um, sorry, phone app. They want to be able to, when they call the call center, they want it to be you know, quick and easy to deal with. Um, they're not interested in, in taking time out of their day you know, between 9 and 4 p.m. to get to a bank and line up and, and, and deal with someone face-to-face, you know. So yeah. that's that's a, been a huge migration over the last sort of, I would only say three to four years. That's really accelerated um, yeah, around how probably. people want to interact. Probably true, yeah, when you think of it. Um, all right, so look, the elephant in the room, Brett, is interest rates. I'm sure people want to talk to you about that every day. Um, none of us have a crystal ball. And we, we know you can't predict it, but I am really interested to hear about how the hype around interest rates is impacting the life of a mortgage broker in 2022. Well, look, any time there's noise around interest rates, it's, I think, a really good thing. Okay. Now, it just draws attention to the fact that you need to look at your mortgage. Okay. And just starting that conversation for a lot of people is a really valuable thing. Now, um, Saying that, there's a lot of noise out there in the market around, hey, you need to be, you know, should you be fixing in your interest rate now? Um, should you be doing yeah. know, something to that effect? And we'll get into that in a moment. But but first and foremost, just noise around interest rates is a really good thing because it it's just that uh, it sparks that opportunity or that, um, that uh, want for people to go, you know what, I need to look at this because potentially there's something better out there for me. For me. Um, and, and, yeah, and, and whether that's just having a conversation with your bank and, and going, listen, my, my situation's changed or this is where I'm at at the moment, that's only a good thing. Well, it might um, even be the spark that they've known for a couple of years they should have done this, but it's the final <laughs> um, knock on the head to go, I need to do something. I've been saying I'll yeah. do something and, and, and now it's here. And look, I don't have any stats on this, so I'm going to, you know, but I, just from my own sample size, I would say nine out of 10 people I deal with know they need to do something with their loan. Yes. But they just, right. it is, it's either A, too confusing and they don't know where things are at and they don't, they don't really want to open that can of worms um, yeah. or B, they just think it's too much hard work. So they'll avoid the topic altogether. It's not causing them too much pain to pay the mortgage. So they'll just do it. But they know mm. in the back of their head that, I really need to be doing something about this. And if, yeah. if um, you know, if interest rate noise is the caveat for them having a conversation, then that's that's a great that's outcome. Good. That's opinion. a good thing. Yeah, and I, and I think um, we can touch on this as well, but it's not as hard as what they might think these days. Um, yeah, cool. So obviously it makes, it may make people a little bit anxious uh, about what they should or could do. Um, I know you've got strong thoughts on people not just getting tracked, one tracked on rates, like rates are an important factor. But they need to have a broader focus on on how to engage and, and I guess judge their own mortgage um, and compare before they make changes. For sure. And the, the topical one at the moment is fixed interest rates, right? And you're even seeing advertisements from banks and brokers to say, now's the time to fix interest rates. Yeah. I think that's a really, really dangerous line of thinking, okay? Because fixed interest rates are somewhat of a gamble, okay? Uh, now, now, and the way I always explain fixed rates to people are you've got to understand the pros and cons a little bit, okay? And you also got to understand how banks fix interest rates. 
Now, they're employing very, very smart people, much smarter than I am for sure, to set their fixed interest rates. And I can tell you right now, there is no banks that are registered charities here in Australia, okay? Not yeah. yet, at least. <laughs> and that they are setting these fixed interest rates because they believe there's margin in there, okay? They also set them because they want to retain you as a client for a set period of time. Yeah. Um, you know, the major banks are losing market share hand over fist at the moment. They want to be able to show they can retain people. Now, when you're talking about I'm going to fix my interest rate because I want to save money. Okay. That, at that point you are gambling against what the bank mm. thinks rates are going to do and you're trying to outsmart them. Okay. Now, if you're fixing your interest rate because you've got school fees starting next year, or there's a change of circumstance, you yeah, just welcome going back to one income. Clubs, yep. You know, and you want a surety of repayment and you're going to go, you know what, I just, I'm going to lock in my, my interest rate because I can't absorb an interest rate increase right now. And for the next two years, I want to make sure that this interest rate isn't going to move. Yeah. That's a very good reason to fix it. Perfect reason. Yeah, okay? I agree. Because you understand that it, the decision you've made is more based upon lifestyle as opposed to it is yep. what I think interest rates are going to do. And you can never be unsatisfied with the outcome there. Okay. Because if interest rates go down, you go, you know what, at the time I made this decision, it was still the right thing to do because I based upon my lifestyle reasons. Correct. Now, if you're locking in interest rates just because, hell, I'm going to hedge my bet against what I think the bank's going to do, I would say, by all means, you can do that, but you've got to understand, you know, the context as to why you're making that decision. Now, there in are a lot of cases, Brett, that decision is being made because of the hype we're hearing in the media. Uh, interest rates going up. It's obvious it's going up. The media are saying it's going up. I'm hearing it all the time. Here's a bank that's offering me a fixed rate. Wow, that must be the answer. It's as simple There's as that, that isn't right? it? And, yeah. and let's just quickly strip out the pros and cons of a fixed versus a variable, mm. right? So pros of a fixed interest rate. You lock in your repayment for a set period of time, okay? That's about it, okay? There's a lot of cons. The cons are if you want to modify that loan during its fixed term, it'll attract a fairly significant cost. It could. Yep. Second is you can't negotiate that interest rate during its term. Um, and the third is often you can't make substantial repay additional repayments or offset your savings against a fixed rate loan. So what a lot of people would do is a Goldilocks approach. They'll have you know, 70, 80% of their mortgage fixed, a little bit variable. Now, yep. what are the pros and cons of variable? Variable you can offset, normally speaking, against the entire facility. You can make yep. extra repayments. But more importantly in my world is I think you can negotiate them at any point in time. The world of lending is changing so quickly. There are a lot of really good offers out there. And without naming any banks in particular, um, you know, over the next two or three years, there's going to be even better offers. Okay, So I think there's something in that competitive advantage. As long as you understand how your lending works and, and what's a good interest rate and what isn't, and you're happy to sort of take on a more active role in management of your mortgage, I think there's something in that competitive advantage of having a variable rate loan. Yeah. Uh, but saying that, you know, every situation is different. Every consumer is going to have a different set of circumstances. Fixed may suit some people. The only cautionary tale I'd make is that if you're only fixing interest rates to save money, just be aware that, that you're taking a punt at that point. Well, I have to say that you would be in the same boat. In the last 10 years, how many people I've met that had fixed rates and couldn't wiggle out of that rate because they had the attitude of it can't go lower than this. <laughs> Guess what it, it is. And so, yeah, it, it came a bit of a, a lesson or they made a bet and, and, and they lost on that bet. 
Um, so I totally agree. I think um, when it works perfectly when it is a lifestyle decision. And the one that I think um, it works perfectly for, particularly if you're starting a new family for the first time and you're going on one income for the first time and you say, look, we just want to know we, we can't get gazumped here in the next two years, as you said, perfect rationale for fixing fixing the situation and just going, look, we know where we're at and um, we know we can get through these couple of years. Um, so that is given us a pretty good list of the, the key things to think about with fixed and variable. Um, I'd love, Brett, just for you to give you your list of, you know, the key things that people could look at. If they're looking at their mortgage, you know, what are the things that they can do or what are the things that they can assess about their own mortgage? Okay, cool. So, look, I think the biggest challenge that we face into with Australian consumers at the moment is what I call compliance by confusion. Okay, and what I mean by that is... um, banks create an environment where consumers are complicit in not negotiating interest rates because they have no idea on how good of a deal they're on. And if you can understand four things, you can understand more about your mortgage and how you can, how you can potentially look at better options. Okay. So, yep. um, and, and if you, if you Google any bank and you go to their interest rate website, okay, you'll see there is 60 different interest rates on there. And the vast majority of people go, I have no idea what I'm looking at here. Okay, so if you <laughs> yeah. understand these four things, yeah, you know, you'll have enough info just to be dangerous. So the first is, am I on a variable rate or am I on a fixed interest rate? Variable is where the rate can go up or down. Fixed is when you set it for a period of time. Okay. The next important thing to understand is what they call loan ratio. Now, what a loan ratio is, it's how much debt you have against your property. For example, if you have an $80,000 mortgage against a property that's worth $100,000, your loan ratio is 80%. Okay. Yep. If you've got a million dollar property and your loan is $650,000, it's a 65% loan ratio. Right. Now, the lower that loan ratio, the less risky it is to the bank. And in turn, the better interest rate you should be getting. Okay. And I say right. risky because the bank has a better chance of getting their money back in the event of a default if it's a low loan as opposed to one that's you know 95% loan ratio. So the Brett, just on a... that one, could I just um, ask you a question on that? Um, that is the classic case of probably, possibly someone who took a loan out, had a higher mm-hmm. ratio, they've been paying it off diligently for a few years and maybe don't realise that they now pose a much less lower risk to the bank. And could go back Absolutely. and renegotiate that based on that. And the really important number is when it dips below an 80% loan. So if you took right. a loan out that's, let's say, 90%, okay, and you've had good growth in your property and then you've paid your loan down, it's now below 80%, you'll find that there's a fair jump in interest rates between 79 and 81%. Um, it's just a note to keep out on that if, you, if you're one of those people that's just got below 80%, hey, now is the time to renegotiate that rate. Um the third key area is if it's a package loan or a standalone facility, okay? And the, the way you can tell the difference there is if you're paying an annual fee, more often than not, it's a package facility. So you're paying one annual fee to the bank for all of your products. Yep. If you've paid an application fee up front and there's no ongoing fees, it's normally a standalone product. I find that a lot of um, introductory rates are standalone products, okay? Um, the package facilities are normally a little bit less attractive, 
but they're a little bit easier to manage moving forward. And then the last one is repayment type. Am I paying just interest only on my facility or am I paying principal and interest? Okay. Historically, people have had interest only as investment properties. Sometimes people will switch um, their property to interest only if they're going off on say maternity leave and they need to reduce their outgoings for the you know 12 months yep. or whatever it may be. But if you can if you can understand where your own personal situation sits within those those four cr- uh, criteria, am I paying variable or fixed? What's my loan ratio? Is it packaged or unpackaged? And what's my repayment type? Normally, what you can then do is understand what are the other products and facilities out there in the market. So okay. they're the things to compare against. They're the four things to compare against. There's no point of comparing against an offer that is a you know 20% loan ratio offer over at Bank A when you're on a yeah. 95% loan ratio over Loan B. Yeah, yeah. Your bank's not going to care. Then the next thing you need to do is, I would say this for everyone. First thing you need to do is pick up the phone to your existing bank and say, I found this offer out there. Okay, this is where my current interest rate's at. What can you guys do to keep my business? And, and the reason I say to do that firstly is it's much easier to negotiate your interest rate down than going through your entire process of refinancing <laughs> yes. your facilities. And look, yes. it's in my best interest as a mortgage broker and it's in you know a lot of other banks' best interest for you to refinance. But look, my view is that it's, just, it's such a pain to switch everything. Yeah. And if you can get the right outcome by spending 15 minutes on the phone, hell, go and do that. Okay, so you pick up the phone, negotiate with your existing bank and say, this is what's out there. What can you do for me? Now, you need to have that conversation with them, in my opinion, every six months because rates move so quickly and they'll move your rates up and down or there'll be new offers out there in the market. You need to do that every six months because small changes to your interest rates will have exponential yeah. um, benefit in in the long run. And yeah, that might be $1,000 a year. It might be $2,000 a year. You multiply that over 30 years, it's a substantial cost. And, you know, it's hard enough to earn $1,000, you know, when <laughs> you're at right. work, right? Yeah. And, and if you can just spend 15 minutes and get a $1,000 return over the next 12 months, that's a great investment in your time. So just mark it in your calendar, make time to do it. And, and I if think, for whatever I think reason, as, sorry. sorry, mate, as part of what you are just t- touching in what you're saying there, part of this whole series with the cost of living creeping up, We've got to just find these micro wins because they, that's all, they all add up. There's no one win that's going to smash it out of the park. You've got to just squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. Yeah. And look, I love what you're saying. I know there. it's painful. I know it's a painful process because I do it every day, right? I know how difficult it is. But trust me, the, the, the reward's there. If you just yeah. spend 15, 20, 30 minutes every six months, just Perfect. take the time and do it, you will get a big benefit. Awesome. Well, mate, that is a. Uh... A very succinct and solid um, list of criteria there. I think that's that's given me uh, not a, not only our listeners, me even something to think about every six months. Just diarising that. Um, I would love Brett for you to give yourself a plug. Um, tell the listeners a little bit about FintCap and and how they could get in touch with you if you want, if they want to have a chat. Appreciate it. Look, just to, to bring it back to my, my, my opening statement is what I'm really, really passionate about is just helping people understand the world of lending. Okay. So if I can help someone, if they send me an email and say, Brett, this is where I'm currently at, you know, can you just help me do A, B, C or D? More often than not, I can I can just 
help people understand a little bit more about their situation. Okay. And that's what I'm really, really passionate about. Yeah. And my view of the world is that if you, if you do that part really, really well, well, the universe will look after you in the long run. Um, I don't think there's enough education around um, lending and finances earlier on, especially when you're taking out debt for the first time. Yeah. Um, it, it, it blows my mind when I'm, you know, I'm driving and I hear, um, you know, buy your property for as little as, you know, $2,000 or $5,000, because that kind of, that kind of world and mentality creates, um, you know, pro- problems in the long run for a lot of consumers. Yeah, for sure. Um, so just, just, you know, what, what I sort of try to build my business was around just helping people understand enough information to be dangerous on managing their own mortgages. And if I can do that, brilliant. Um, we do everything from, you name it in terms of finance, we'll normally do it everywhere from consumer residential finance through to commercial, through to private lending. Um, and if people want to get in, chat, uh, in, in, in contact with me, just jump on my website, fintcap, F-I-N-T-C-A-P.com. Hit me an email there. And um, more often than not, I'll come back to you, you know, pretty quickly and, and we can talk from there. But <laughs> I'd say, look, if you can do this yourself, go and do it. You know, if, yeah. you, can, if you can manage these interest rates yourself, fantastic. And if you just, you then coming up against barriers and, for whatever reason, your bank just won't help you out. Hey, pick up the phone to myself or another mortgage broker, and um, you know, start the conversation from there. Oh, I think as well, Brett. Um, in busy lives, people are also happy to you know have an expert that they can have in their corner, and more and more people are looking for that. And you are absolutely that, mate. Thank you so much for coming and sharing all of that knowledge with us. It's um. As I say, I just think in in these times and and where it is potentially headed this year, it's just about those small wins and and getting those fundamentals right. So you've absolutely nailed that for us. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. (laughs) Okay, mate. Bye. Well, we're doing our little segment on um, or just getting some local businesses in or some local people that are doing awesome things. And early on, I think on about this horse, Second or third episode of The Grass is Greener, we had Rick Foster on talking about his book, Why Worry Wally, and we've got him back to see how things are going. How are you, Rick? Yeah, good. Thanks, Tim. Really good. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me back. feel privileged. Oh, it's great. And Rick and I see each other most weeks anyway in the gym or yep. out outside um, getting flogged doing some sort of training. Um <laughs> But give us a little bit of, uh, for the, the listeners that don't know about your book, um, tell us a little bit about that and then we'd love to hear how it's been going. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so the book's Why Worry Wally, so it's a picture book. Uh, yep. So it's it's aimed for uh, kids between five and eight-year-old. That's sort of the, the key demographic uh, for the book. Um, and... Yeah, it's a it's a beautifully illustrated picture book with uh, with an old friend of mine who um, uh, who created the illustrations. I wrote the the, the copy, yeah. and it was all designed to help kids deal with and speak about their worries, um, which was yeah, obviously it's been an incredibly <laughs> important topic over the last couple yeah. of years. But, but yeah, sure. I, I self published the book uh, just before actually the pandemic happened. I had no obviously thought that that was coming but um but yeah it just came out of a desire um i've i've gone through my own periods of anxiety uh, my daughter's had as well so yeah when i had the opportunity to sort of get the space to write the book yeah. I thought this would be a good thing to do well no doubt i mean i've I read the book and 
and even um, handed a few off to some clients during uh, the COVID times, which was really well received by them. Said, and the kids said they loved the book. Um, I know that um, it, the schools and all all sorts of different groups have really um, welcomed the book. So tell us a little bit about how that's been going. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so yeah, obviously I, I published it initially just to. Uh, try to get it out there as much as I could. And, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to start getting it into some bookstores, and uh, which was fantastic. Um, yeah. I sort of had a, a – my, my end game really for the book was to try to get it into schools as much as I could because yeah. that's where I felt like it could be really beneficial. And, yeah, luckily through actually a, another event, sort of podcast-type thing that I was on, I came in contact with a with a teacher who had just decided to – leave full-time teaching and do his own um, business in helping um, families um, get that connection between school and, and home. Um, and uh, yeah, we linked up together and we joined forces and started to come up with a, a school incursion program. So we sort of created a whole uh, lesson plan around the book um, and designed for sort of uh, it's really grade ones to threes, but preps can do it as well. And uh, yeah, and so Andy and myself sort of created this out of the book, which is fantastic. So now we're starting to go and roll that out to to schools. Um, yeah, which which is great. It goes for like a to, it's like a lesson. It's all based yeah. on curriculum, so it's it's been received well. So we've sort of got plans to continue building on that as well. Oh, it's great. Um... Tell us a little bit about the book um, without giving too much away, obviously, but um, it is a great uh, story. Yeah. So the, so the main character is Wally and yep. and uh, he has oodles of worries, which, uh, you know, he, he starts off the book and uh, he has his little friend Pug and you're kind of not sure how Pug fits into the whole story as it goes yep. along. But, but yeah, he, he worries about kind of, everything from yeah. especially around you know things around school going to school and um uh but then he has crazy worries like wombats with wings and a whole lot of <laughs> different types of things um uh, it does have rhyme so it's that's part yeah. of the uh, uh the, the, i love rhyme so that's also part of the uh, the attraction with the book um and uh, i suppose the book then just tells the story of him kind of uh trying to deal with those worries uh, he's got Pug on his side who's telling him constantly, you know, positive, some positive reinforcements, maybe some things to do to help him. And, uh, yeah, towards the middle of the book, he finally listens, starts listening to that voice. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and then that sort of starts to turn the way that he views things and uh, things become a lot more positive. Oh, happy. Yeah. Um, is- I reckon uh, most Dogs are probably trying to do that with all of us, don't they? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I reckon they've well, got a pretty good view on life. Yeah, yeah. Well, we <laughs> kind of use the the idea of the pug as kind of that voice in your head, which is for all yeah. of us. Um, so sometimes that voice um, you don't want to listen to, and you know yeah. that sort of epitomizes that type of anxiety, which um, you know for a lot of us, especially for me, you don't really want to listen to, and you kind of go against. Yes. Uh, but once you sort of start to realise it's there for a particular reason and to actually kind of help you and uh, protect you in a way, um, yeah, that's kind of what what uh, Wally realises as well. And, yeah. I often used to think um, 
the more you don't want to listen to that voice, it means that the more you probably should listen to it, don't you reckon? Oh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the, the more yeah. resistant you are to it, the more you, you really need it. Well, that's right. Uh, yeah, and the more you go against it and then yeah. you kind of get into this sort of catch-22 situation which you kind of keep getting more anxious about it and yeah. you, you know, if that starts to turn to like, you know, a bit of anger towards it, then it can be, you know, not uh, not that healthy for you. So, um, yeah, I, so I tend to I look at it as a gift now. That's kind of what I call my anxiety and it's uh, – and, uh, you know, it's kind of there for a reason. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, so obviously most people could probably um, order that in through their bookstore, but they could probably also get it online, couldn't they? Yeah, that's true. So, um, yeah, so it, so you can find the book. And, I mean, it, it's also available in libraries as well. So, yep. so one of the other things that happened along the way was that, um, that I started to uh, – it's part of an online story time project. That's done through a group called ALIA, um, which is Australian Library and Information Association. So they, they're really keen in getting um, things out into the sort of public right. library space. So, so, it's a, yeah, so it's kind of available throughout a whole lot of libraries as well. So, the, so you could either ask for it at your library, ask for it in your local bookstore, and if they don't have it, they'll get it for you, or you can go direct through my website, which you can also purchase it. And what's the address there, Rick? Yep, it's just rickfoster.com.au. Beautiful. So why worry Wally? Uh, thanks, Rick. That's that's awesome. Thanks for coming back on. Oh, no worries. Thanks, Tim. And, uh, yeah, thanks for your help. And, and also, if, yeah, if, if anyone listening to the podcast has kids at school and they feel like, you know, their school could benefit from uh, from the incursions, then... Yeah, please let me know. You can also uh, kind of contact me through the through the website. Yeah, as well. for sure. Love okay. to hear. No worries. See you, mate. Alrighty, thanks, Tim. If you're looking for a community of like-minded people who are going on a journey similar to you, then I invite you to join the Grass Is Greener Facebook group, where you can connect, share, and learn from other people just like you. The information in this podcast is of a general nature and does not take into account your own financial objectives, circumstances and needs. You should consider your own personal situation and requirements before making any decision. If you have any concerns or questions, please contact me. That's the end of another show. Remember, the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. See you later.